The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-blade razor and shave gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Welcome to the Roadwire Prospect Podcast. Clay Link alongside lead prospect writer James Anderson. This podcast is now sponsored by AndOneAnalytics.com. James, we're going to be focusing on your latest farm futures piece where you look at the early returns from the Pacific Coast League. And, you know, also going to be grading out an all-time legend. A lot of 80 is going to be thrown around today. Picked a, picked a big name to do today. Weather's nice. We've got baseball. A lot of baseball on the TVs here in the office. Uh, feeling good. Time to hand out some 80s. Going Notorious B.I.G. 
Yeah, it's going to be 80 City in the, the second half of the program, so definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it just seemed like we were due to grade out a legend because, yeah. you know, the MLB's almost two weeks in the books. And M- after Shine last week. Yeah, and MILB is about a week into the books, too, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, everything's heating up. A lot of pitching gems already in the books today. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good time of year. Yeah, let's talk about one of those from a young kid that we've talked about a lot on this show. I also want to talk about another prospect whose you know, name is, is being talked about a lot already this season. But let's talk about Vincent Velasquez. Vince Velasquez. Don't call him Vincent. Outstanding game today. No walks, 16 Ks in the complete game shutout. Absolutely insane. It was going against the Padres, so take it, you know, take that into consideration. Also, you got to consider the workload uh, this season. But I think right now, he's kind of solidified himself really as a must own for now in all formats. Am I right? Yeah, and you know, we've been touting him for a while. Uh, we were able to get some shares. Uh, I, I, the only share I have in a full season league is the draft champions. And the reason I got him there is because this was back in January mm-hmm. when not everyone was, was pumping him. I wanted him everywhere, but I just yeah. got, you know, sniped on him as, as will happen. I mean, if you want a guy like that, you really got to get aggressive in the draft and, and kind of reach up to get him. And I was just, I guess, hoping that at least in a couple more leagues he might fall to me. Uh, that didn't really happen, but happy to have one share. I know you've got at least one as well. And, uh, yeah, I got, got two. I also have him in the Series 6 and Host League, uh, which is nice well, to have. That's, a, that's easy <laughs> ownership right there. You can pretty much get anyone you want in that league. Uh, uh, and, I, and, I, and I did. <laughs> uh, Derek and I were doing the XM show today. We told everyone to go start. Vincent Velasquez for seventy four hundred and nice. and do a Cardinals stack and I'm sure nobody listened to us but if you had you'd be you'd be counting your money right now yeah just a a reason to tune in, in the future but look twenty seven swings and misses I think he had like twenty some on the four seamer alone pretty amazing but this is a guy who has had Tommy John surgery in the past if you're in a single season league do you at least look at maybe maybe selling here because what workload probably under one hundred and fifty innings I'd imagine. I would put him on the. I would let people know that I'm taking offers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you have to do that. He's definitely the type of guy. I think. I think kind of unlike Trevor's story, I think you might be more likely to get an owner that comes with like a big time package for him, because I think there were a, you know a handful or at least a pocket of the fantasy community that thought this guy had frontline stuff coming mm-hmm. into the year maybe just didn't end up with him in that league, but are going to buy into him being this type of guy going forward. nine Ks in his debut. Right. I'm I'm kind of – like, where do you rank him as an SP rest of season? I mean, is he, yeah, is he a top tough. 30 guy? Uh, I don't know if I could put him up there just because of the, the uncertainty with the workload, but probably mm-hmm. around there, hovering around 35 to 40 maybe. Yeah. So – this is it's so it's easy to just say hey like yeah put Velasquez on the market after he has 25 Ks through two starts and it's a lot easier to say that than to actually pull the trigger on moving him mm-hmm. for a guy that might not be as as flashy I, I mean it's it's just something worth considering because yeah like you said I mean there there are workload concerns obviously not going to be a ton of wins to be had on this Phillies team and 
you know, if you if you could trade him for a a hitter who is ranked in maybe your top 100 or top 120, then you're you're cutting off a little bit of risk there going from the pitcher to the hitter. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of scenarios where you could have Velasquez as like your seventh starter, mm-hmm. you know. So you you could move him for a hitter and your rotation could theoretically still be fine. So yeah. definitely something worth exploring. Yeah, I think you have to at least look into it. It's yeah, it's a fine line though because I mean, would you trade him for a guy like yeah, would you would you give him up for Jock Peterson? No, I don't think no, 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 no. But I mean, we're not really jock. Yeah, guys. we're not really big on jock to begin with. Well, yeah, Vince Velasquez definitely somebody that's exciting to watch, even if you know maybe late in the year you don't get quite as much. But I think right now, if you're an owner, you test the waters, but definitely uh, just be happy with with the early returns yeah, right now. To those workload concerns that you you alluded to, eighty eight and two thirds innings last year between Double A and the majors. So, so like one twenty might be about it. I would. I think they might push him a tad higher than 120, but yeah, you're not getting 150 out of him. Yeah. I think that you can definitely be assured of that. I mean, would you trade him straight up right now for his teammate Aaron Nola? You know, I think maybe because we talked about Nola too mm-hmm. last week, and he he pitched uh, close to 180 innings last year. I think it's so. You're getting those like maybe sixty additional innings. I think it's very format dependent too. If you're in a really deep league, then I'd be much more willing to do a Velasquez for Nola swap. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a ten or even a twelve team league, I'd probably hold out for something better, just because you could bank those Velasquez innings and then try to grab a guy off waivers yeah. who's not terrible. Yeah, and you can because of the. The available talent in, in those type of leagues is a lot higher than, than a 15-teamer. Let's talk. We have to talk about Nomar Mazar, too. Yes, we do. I mean, this time last week, if you would have told me, hey, Nomar Mazar is going to be up this weekend and batting second for the Rangers, I'd say get the hell out of here. But uh, with Shinsu Chu going down, they, they brought Mazar up. And I wrote about him for Fab. But that was before. And I said about $28 in, in out of 100 in 15-team in mixed leagues. But that was before I knew that he was – you know, before the team even confirmed that he was going to be up, and also before I knew he was going to be betting second every day in the order. So, you know, if we're looking now, 15-team mixed league, how much would you give up to, to get a guy like Mazzaro? 50% of the budget? Uh, I said, I told the guy on Twitter that I would be willing to go 70%. Wow. <laughs> nice. And I can't, I can't really disagree. Look, it's it's really tough because there are a lot of factors at play. Like, you know, you wonder, do the Rangers find a way? I, I don't see how they could get away with sending him down for a couple of weeks just to get that extra year of control. I, I just don't mm. see how that would hold up unless he was just really struggling. I mean, he's not guaranteed to stay up for the rest of the year. Everyone knows that, but yeah. I think if he hits, he's guaranteed to stay up for the rest of the year, and he's guaranteed to bat high up in the order and play every yeah. day. I mean, they, I mean, he looks he looks great. He yeah. had no for three the, last night. But. He also made two outstanding defensive yeah. plays uh, a couple of days ago in the outfield, and it's not uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the Rangers internally just view him as their best outfielder you know just cut and dry like he's mm-hmm. he's their best outfielder on the team right now so i and he's 20 and he looks 
Like he's an eight-year veteran. Yeah, he's he's very composed. You know, not not striking out much, and you know he, he'll he'll still get fooled occasionally on a on a good breaking ball that that dips out of the zone. But yeah, I, I think everything that we've seen from Nomar and Mazar so far is kind of fit what we sort of expected. And hopefully, I mean, if you've been following us kind of all season or all off season, then you have some shares because we've definitely been. You should. Uh, touting him pretty it. hard but yeah i mean i i hope none of our com- competition in the the main event is <laughs> listening because we, yeah. we're, we're gonna have a decision to make on how much we want to pony up for him this week yeah we really will the big chill really the sucks. big league chill really sucks that nfbc didn't put him in the player pool after yeah. his game sunday but yeah i know he was available for auction in jeff erickson's nfbc main event league but that was only because somebody drafted him then cut him could you imagine that oh After, no yeah, you draft Mazzara, <laughs> then you cut him and he's up a week into the season but jeff got him for like 388 i'm thinking after this week i mean he could go for double that quite honestly yeah like you said i mean the, <clears throat> you if you're willing to go 70 there may be somebody else who's 70 percent of the budget there may be somebody else who's uh, right there desperate thinks that that that's the kind of player that can get them over the hump uh so yeah, I mean, not really available in any of our leagues tonight, right? The Fab runs. He is the o- literally the only league he's unowned in, and this is even back to when he got called up. He was already owned as a minor leaguer in mm-hmm. all my leagues, other than uh, the main event team that we share. And we we we're still kind of licking our wounds over that Schwarber injury, but uh, adding a guy like Mazzara out of the free agent pool would really go a long way to kind of make up that production. So Yeah, give us a mulligan there. Here's hoping. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the guy's, the guy's approach, the, the plate coverage too, those first two hits he had where he just mm-hmm. looked like, I mean, they were like sliders or whatever on the outside of the uh, corner of the plate. He just swings the bat through the zone yeah, really just easy. Just gave it a poke. Just give it a little poke, put it out just over the infielder's heads. On, well, on the first one, second one was hit a little harder. Then he just crushed one off Jared Weaver. That third at bat, and I love the, love the interview he had. You know, I think they showed it. It was before the game, but they showed it after his first at bat, where he said, I, "I know what I got. I know what I got." Man, that guy's <laughs> got eighty, eighty swag, and just chilling. You know, shooting the breeze with the skip before the game. Just uh, didn't look like he was intimidated or o- over his head whatsoever. Twenty years old. That's that's really impressive. Uh, youngest player in the majors right now. But let's talk about one player you. You spotlighted in your latest Farm Futures piece who could maybe have an impact on Mazar's fantasy value over the rest of the season. Joey Gallo, really nice start at Round Rock. A couple of homers, uh, four walks, only five Ks and 17 at-bats. I know I saw somebody speculate that, you know, maybe Gallo could supplant Mazara if uh, Mazara hits it's a cold stretch, but is that really a concern for you? No, and look, it's... This situation is something that I've been following for a long time, and it's, I mean, I think a lot of kind of season-long players that aren't as plugged into the minor leagues and and that kind of thing might have a different read on this, but Mazzara is just the bona fide right fielder of the future for the Rangers. Like, that's not even debatable. Uh, Joey Gallo does not figure into that mix at all in, in right field long-term for them. I mean, that's, that's Mazzara's spot. Gallo could come up and contribute if they have an opening at third base via a Beltre injury 
if they have a opening at DH or first base with with Moreland or Fielder going down, and then and then Gallo probably moves in as the DH. Uh, he has played a little bit of first in in the minor leagues, but they're not playing him at first base right now. My belief with Gallo is that he is going to get dealt this year, and hmm. I just I, I think that this is a Rangers team that is kind of. Uh, at a spot right now where they could conceivably make a World Series and try to try to hang a flag up, and Gallo is the guy. I mean, look, the Brewers. It's not really a secret that they were asking for Mazzara and Lucroy talks. The Rangers wisely just wanted no part of that. But no I, I think Gallo could become available in a in a deal this summer, and the fact that they're continuing to play him at third base really kind of is is a part is a part of that because if if you want Gallo to be as valuable to your big league club as as possible this year you'd probably already be working him out a little bit at first base uh maybe giving him some some looks in left field you know just kind of getting him you know familiar with with other positions because you're you're not going to put him at third base unless Beltre goes down but the fact they're keeping him at third base suggests to me that they want other teams to view him as a third baseman so they can maximize their return on a trade. They might not move him, but like that's that's his best avenue to everyday at bats is, mm-hmm. is getting dealt. I, I just he needs an injury otherwise to, to kind of impact this Rangers roster. And yeah, he's off to a hot start. We we kind of all saw that coming though, right? I mean Yeah. This, this, spring is, he had. this is a guy that just every every time he repeats a level, he just repeats it with authority and just abuses pitching i mean this is going to be a theme the rest of the month all of may all of june if he's still not up he's going to just be hitting a ton of bombs everyone's going to be picking him up as as a speculation ad he needs a place to play though and it's not going to be right field unless mazara just really scuffles and they and they try to go a different direction there i mean as long as mazara's keeping his head above water, that's that's going to be his spot, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, we saw that with Rutan Odor. I mean, he got sent down for a brief stretch last year, but in his first year up, I mean, they let him, as long as he was doing okay, they let him stick around. And I think Mazzara, probably more advanced than Odor was when he first came up, too. So I'm not really worried so much about Mazzara. And I know that's not just wishful thinking on your part as a Brewers fan. Uh, that is That does seem like a perfect fit, especially with Robinson Chirinos, now with a broken forearm for months, I think. Uh, I mean, that, that just seems too logical for it not to happen. Who knows? Maybe, maybe they the Brewers throw back like a reliever or something. Yeah, I mean they like, they've they've got because some think, relievers they could deal. <laughs> they you know say, uh, you know, it'd be nice if Will Smith could come back at some point and and get moved in a deal. Uh, they could also kind of let let the Rangers kind of take their pick of that that rotation maybe maybe say jimmy nelson's not really available but you know the you know they've had garza before uh maybe they want to try a guy like willie peralta as a, as a bullpen arm you know maybe they throw uh you know another maybe lesser prospect back in, in a deal like that i mean there's there's a lot of ways to kind of make it work but you know the Brewers aren't the only rebuilding team that would like to add Gallo either. So I mean, you could yeah. look at a team like the Reds, you could look at a team like the Phillies or the Padres or the Rockies. I mean, all these teams would would definitely be happy to to take Gallo back in a deal. 
Yeah, I just think that makes so much sense for this team because, as you mentioned, you know, without an injury, there's just no spot for him at the major league level. Let's talk about his teammate down at Round Rock, Jerickson Profar. Now, I, I was giving myself a Barry Horowitz pat on the back after after sneaking him through in Staff Keeper League 2 for a buck. Got to got to throw that out there. But he reached base <laughs> like six times in his first two games. Yeah, I mean, really got to see. I want to get a look at him just on on defense because I think the shoulder is still a question mark. But he's somebody that too could be an injury away from you know, like Mazar was from really coming up and having a prominent role in this lineup. Yeah, and he has two avenues. You know, he could take an injury to to Elvis Andrews or Rook Neto Door, or. You know, this this seemed like more more of a feasible scenario back when I wrote this, but since then Elvis Andrews has been on fire. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if Andrews isn't really giving them a ton, you know, kind of looking at his past two seasons, uh, sub 1-7 win, wins above replacement in both of those two years, and most of that just because of what he's not giving them offensively, you know, below 315 on on base percentage both of those years really nothing in terms of power so if Profar is playing a, a solid shortstop then he probably does represent an upgrade there if if Andrews kind of reverts back to the level of play he was at the previous two years I know they've got a lot of money tied up in him but you know but where it, they're at as an organization it's I not mean, dead dead money you know and and Pro, Profar could be getting showcased as a potential uh trade chip as well mm-hmm. I, I just think you know that I think if 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 I was that team, I'd be more inclined to maybe shop Gallo around. But yeah, I mean, I think I think Profar makes an impact at the big league level one way or another this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I figure now is probably the time to to grab him too. Yeah. You can get him for like a zero dollar bid or one dollar mm-hmm. bid. I think you can do that in a lot of leagues. Yeah, I mean, if you're stashing like a guy like uh, I don't know Trey Turner. Tim Anderson, uh, Orlando Garcia, uh, J.P. Crawford, someone of that ilk, then I think I think Profar definitely fits into that class and might even be at the head of that class. Let's jump back up to the top of your article. If you don't have a Rotowire subscription, check out James's piece. Uh, you can get 10 days free on us, no strings attached, but go to rotowire.com slash pod. Uh, no credit card required there. But you talk about A.J. Reed to kick off your article. Tyler White, his emergence has been surprising to me but he did have a great spring so many rbi really helping uh, five by five owners there in that category specifically but also hitting at a really high clip uh but reed at triple a fresno uh three doubles four walks two k's and 12 at bats 333 average Uh, so he's off to a nice start as well but with white's run here to start the year what does that do to reed's uh single season value so I think the the Astros would be wise to consider when they when they decide Reed's ready when they're willing to to promote him to the big leagues. I think they'd be wise to have Tyler White be their DH at least you know four or five days a week. Have Reed be the the everyday first baseman, and then they they've already talked about how they want to have Evan Gaddis work a little bit behind the plate. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're serious about that, like, and it's not that crazy considering how bad Jason Castro has been, uh, 
that that's a way that they could get say they give Gaddis, you know, two starts at DH a week, three starts behind the plate each week, give White five starts at DH, you know, whatever, kind of shake it out that way. That's kind of where I see this this situation going. I don't see it as like a Tyler White's just going to play first base for the Astros every single day the rest of the year. Like that that's not the way I, I see this kind of unfolding. I think Reed gets that everyday job still before June. I think he'll be up in in April or or May, and he he gets that job. And I still think White could have value. I mean, as long as White hits, he's going to play. And I think if White keeps hitting at this clip, he's clearly better than Evan Gaddis. So Evan Gaddis isn't going to stop White from getting at bats just because Gaddis is healthy. But I think the fact that they want to give Gaddis some some work at catcher does bode pretty well for for reed being up sooner than later yeah i'm with you absolutely so if if saying a 15 team league reed was dropped because of white's hot start you classify that as a mistake and somebody should go ahead and pick him up stash him yeah i think he should be owned in all 15 team leagues yeah definitely agree with you there guys a couple quick notes daily fantasy sucks when you lose when playing against sharks on popular dfs sites it can be really hard to make money at And One Analytics, they give you the lineups that win. Their custom-made algorithm turns the odds back in your favor. If you had entered $10 in 50-50 leagues on the top two DFS sites every day since November, your bankroll would now be sitting at $616 using And One Analytics lineups. That's right, $10 turned into $616. And One Analytics tracks the results of their lineups every day, so you know exactly what you're getting when you sign up. Use promo code ROTOWIRE when you sign up to get $10 off your first purchase at andoneanalytics.com. Use that $10 that you saved to start finally growing your bankroll this MLB season. Stop losing in DFS and use and one analytics so you can play with a purpose. That's andoneanalytics.com. Also, do you need a website? Why not do it yourself with Wix.com? No matter what business you're in, Wix.com has something for you. Used by more than 77 million people worldwide, Wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today. You need to get the word out about your business. It all starts with a stunning website, Wix.com. Let's move to Orlando Arcia, Brewers shortstop prospect. 300 average, 364 on base, three strikeouts and 20 at-bats to kick things off with, with Colorado Springs. Uh, you kind of say that Arcia here looking like he might be nearing uh, level of a finished product here. Shortstop a glaring hole at the major league level too. But when you know, w- given where the Brewers are at, they have incentive to, to keep him down. What are we looking at here in terms of ETA for Arcia? Yeah, I I think that the Brewers will call him up sometime this summer. They might play the the J two game with him and or or the uh, Super 2 game with him and keep him down until July. But Jonathan VR has been a little iffy. Uh, I wouldn't rule out them calling him up before the Super 2 cutoff because, I mean, there is valuable experience to be had. I think that they want to enter 2017 as a team that kind of would be where the Astros were this time last year where – Nobody's really picking them to contend, but you know a few things go right, and they could contend in 2017. And and a lot of that uh, could be helped by Arcia sort of working through any kind of growing pains at the big league level this year, and just being ready, ready to go next year. And 
I don't necessarily think I'd, I'd stash him in most leagues, but and and I don't think that it's the counting stats are going to be crazy if he's up for a half season. Although you know there there should be double digit steals there, but I would have said the same thing about Francisco Lindor last year, and he ended up kind of eclipsing all expectations. So I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't rule out RC as a difference maker, but you know he is kind of more of a a batting average guy you know 20 25 steals over a full season type of guy but yeah he'll be up sometime this summer yeah i think you know i like stashing prospects of course in deeper leagues and uh, even multiple prospects even when you have like a seven seven player bench but i think rc is just kind of on that border where uh I just think he arrives almost a little too late to make a big impact. He yeah. can still be up by you know late summer, but uh, I want somebody who's who I think is going to be up by the end of June. Yeah, like for instance, I would I would rather stash Trey Turner, Tim Anderson, and Jerkson Profar than Arcia. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're if you're contemplating adding up adding Arcia off waivers, I, I got to imagine one of those threes out there as well. By the way, this just hit me. Uh, because we were talking about jerseys the other the other week, and you, you got to get a Mazzara, man. Dude, I, I mean was, that's that's an absolute must. I was looking at it. I uh, I probably will. I I'm waiting to get paid out for a fantasy hoops league, and I'm probably going to use a chunk of those Very winnings nice. on the. I think do you, do I go white, red, or or uh, blue? You know, I was looking at the blue, and those are fresh. But I just the white I yeah. think is too too classic. I, I think the white is probably the way to go there. I did pull the trigger on that white Rysel Iglesias Ooh, jersey. Nice. Uh, didn't go didn't go authentic. Uh, that should have been the the route. But uh, I know if I would have done that, we talked about it. Definitely would have spilled spilled some beer, probably some nacho dip uh, on that on that white jersey the second I got it. But let's talk about Manuel Margot of the Padres. He's at El Paso right now. Not really a great start. Uh, 200 average in his first 15 at-bats, but only one strikeout. He's a high-contact type of player, and uh, you think that speed and and the approach will allow him to be a fast learner at at any level. And this Padres team, abysmal. We talked about Velasquez fanning 16 today against the Padres. Can Mark go help out enough right now for this team to be – can they help – can he help out at the major league level right now and be an upgrade over – pretty much any of the guys they have right now uh, aside from camp i don't i guess i just don't see the point like mm-hmm. that they, they have three center fielders on the roster that all kind of stink uh i guess melvin upton's kind of become more of a corner guy but john jay was one of their better hitters in the early going i mean do you really want to displace him this this Padres team isn't where like the Brewers and the Phillies are where they're you can see the light at the end of the tunnel like mm-hmm. I just don't know when this Padres team is going to be good so it doesn't make any sense to me to bring Margot up in the first half at all and maybe not even until maybe September because you know you, you should be trying to see what you have and guys like like Jankowski and and I, I think Margot could really use maybe a full season at AAA. Mm-hmm. It's just not a guy that I'm looking to stash. Granted, I'd, if I was trying to make a living betting on what the Padres are going to do, I'd be broke right now because oh, it's, yeah. it's really kind of impossible to see their decisions coming before they happen. But I just don't really see a point in bringing Margot up anytime soon. 
Man, why the hell did they not trade Tyson Ross in the offseason? <laughs> now he's hurt. And, I mean, man, that's just, yeah, I'm with you. Even the Reds, I mean, I could see some light at the end of the yeah. tunnel. Oh, yeah, but with the, that staff. The pa- yeah, yeah, the Padres, man. They're not, it's and it's like they life. haven't even embraced the rebuild yet. No, like they're they're still kind of clinging to some dream of being a 500 team. Like they need to just you keep Jabari Blash <laughs> on the roster, but then sit him behind Melvin every day. Like I mean, not that I don't know if if Blash really deserves every day at bats at the major league level, but if you're gonna keep that guy, might as well see what he's. Is got. there any? Let me ask you this: Is there any team in baseball? Is is that the worst GM job in baseball, the Padres? Would you? you know, I, think I think Preller might be the worst GM in baseball. Well, <laughs> oh, you mean like, I mean like if, if it were open? Yeah, yeah like yeah, okay, um, I think so. Pro- yeah, I I think it's got to be between. Like, how much do you hold the the Coors Field thing against the Rockies' job? Not as much because I actually think they have some useful talent. Uh huh. And I mean, they have. Hoffman. You at least have some right. like stuff to work with. You yeah. have a really deep farm system. And you're packing the house regardless. I mean, the, not that that <laughs> makes you look good as a GM, but I just don't think the, the heat would be on you. I think, yeah, I mean, I, if, if you take over that Padres job, like what do you even do? I mean, you're obviously trying to unload everything, but what do you have that c- you can get something yeah, and if for? you don't have more than like five years, like guaranteed to work, like you're not, it's not going to be a short turnaround. No, you... Yeah, you you basically need to be picking first, second, or third for like three years in a row, <laughs> and you need to, you know, you you trade Cashner for whatever you can get, you trade Shields for whatever you can get, trading Shields for Pablo Sandoval that that I heard like rumored that makes zero sense for Why the Padres. Why the hell would you like, want Sandoval? Like that's the last type of player you should be yeah. trying to. Like, oh, they don't really have a good thing at third base. Like, who cares? Yeah, like, they, they don't have a good thing yeah. anywhere. Like, just <laughs> just get some prospects for Shields and call it a day. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're they're just they're a complete mess. So I I don't really see the point of of getting Margot up this season just because their their window of contention is so far off that any kind of development this year at the big league level seems wasted to me. Yeah, and you mentioned, I mean. We talked about the Brewers maybe being a match with the Rangers on a trade. I think the Padres could be a match too, because they have Norris. Derek Norris yep. and maybe true. I saw somebody throw this out on Twitter as a speculative trade, fake trade. I wish I could give them credit, but I forget who it was. But maybe Norris and Kashner for for Profar. I think that'd be a great move for the Padres, even with all their shoulder troubles. But I, I wouldn't do that if I was the Rangers. I'd. I'd, yeah, well, I'd, I I'd just if I was the Rangers, I'd just want to think I could do better. Yeah. I mean, at that point, if you if you just come to the the Brewers and you say, "Hey, like we're probably going to do this trade for like Norris. Do you want to just give us Luke Roy for Profar straight up?" I think the Brewers would probably yeah, do that. I think know? the Brewers would be wise to do that. Let's shift gears a little bit. Talk about Dan Vogelbach, Swaggy V. We haven't had a Swaggy V update in a while. He's off to a nice start. At AAA Iowa, 421 average uh, as of the writing of this article. Two doubles, two walks, six Ks and 19 at-bats. Big boy, I mean, blocked, obviously, at the major league level because he could only really play first base. But do you think maybe he could come up to to DH whenever uh, at some point later this year when the, when the Cubs have an interleague series? I do. I think he's... 
I don't really see any reason not to bring him up when they have a road interleague series as the DH because he's on the 40 man. That's you really know, important. Losing Schwarber, like Vogelbach's kind of a slightly poor man's Schwarber, basically. Like he he's just that that beefy dude you slot into the the five spot in the lineup and he just just mashes. Oh, yeah. And I think you know he'll definitely be up come September as just a really dynamic pinch hitting option off the bench. And I don't think, yeah, I don't think the Cubs are going to be in a hurry to trade this guy this year just because of those, you know, whatever it is, 50, 60 at bats he gives them this season. I mean, that, that's, that could be in very high leverage spots, pretty rare to have a, a power bet like that available off the bench. So, and, and it's nice insurance in case anything ever happens to Rizzo. Yeah, definitely. And we, we've talked about a potential trade of Vogelbach in the past, but I'm with you. They, they shouldn't be in any rush. I think he could still be moved because mm-hmm. this is the type of team that, I mean, they look they look great so far, but the pitching. I mean, Lackey didn't have a great, hasn't had a great start. Uh, had a had a pretty decent outing last night, but roughed up a little bit in the first inning. But uh, I just think they'll they'll be looking to upgrade that ro- the back end of that rotation more than likely, uh, or at least some parts of that roster. But there aren't any glaring holes, so maybe they they do hold off on trading Vogelbach. Another Cub, a Wilson Contreras. He's off to a nice start, betting almost 500 with a couple doubles, one walk, two Ks, and 19 at-bats. Uh, he's somebody that you know, we saw only a little bit in, in Arizona because he got injured running down the first base line like right away when we first got there. But is he the guy that the Cubs would turn to if Miguel Montero were to go, go down? Yeah, he's – you know, the, to me this is almost – it's kind of an aggressive – place for him to be but he's also just doing so well like I mean he hasn't been catching for that long uh converted infielder I believe and yeah he's he's just got such a great hit tool I don't think this is his breakout year I think there's there's people I've seen in in leagues that are kind of drafting him sort of the way you would draft a guy like uh Gary Sanchez or Tom Murphy just kind of hoping to to get a guy that gets called up and, and contributes I think as long as Montero's healthy, he's going to get the bulk of the starts. But I, I could see Contreras debuting in, in some form this year. I mean, they, they do – like John Lester loves to throw to David Ross. I think maybe one of their other pitchers is a is a big David Ross guy as well. So <laughs> he's going to get yeah. some starts. And they, they're so loaded, even without Schwarber, that having a guy like Ross at the bottom of the lineup isn't, isn't the end of the world for them. So I don't think they're in a rush – with Contreras, yeah, is he on the forty man? Contreras, yeah, I don't believe so. Okay, um, but yeah, I mean, he's definitely the catcher of the future for them. I think come next year, you're going to be seeing a lot of people touting Contreras as a nice, uh, cheap catcher play towards the end of drafts because you you got to figure that he would be kind of at, at the very worst splitting time with Montero this time next year. So yeah, I mean, definitely got to keep an eye on at that position. Just to, just to clarify, he is on the 40-man. was added oh, in really? November, uh, assuming ahead of, you know, just for Rule 5 protection more than anything. But, yeah, he was optioned down. So, uh, yeah, that's it. that works in his favor, at least. You know, I'd imagine he's probably uh, one of four catchers on the 40-man. So, it's definitely somebody to keep an eye on, even in, in single season. I will say, like, if, if something does happen to Montero, just be careful with the expectations when you're setting your fab bids on him. Because it is really kind of all batting average right now, and 
that's useful over like a full season but if you're only getting like a couple months out of, out of that high average it, it just don't go crazy on, mm. on those fab bits yeah you never know what you're gonna get over you know even a couple months is still a relatively small sample so you just don't know what you're gonna get there uh we're not gonna touch on all of these players but definitely check out the full column for yourself anybody in particular that you want to run through uh, before you get to your others of note here, because there's one particular guy I want to ask you that you mentioned in others of note. Sure. Uh, I just think it's worth noting uh, Matt Will- Matt Olson for the A's has been transitioned to a full-time right fielder, <laughs> which, you know, he, he go back like a year or two ago, he was one of the top five first base prospects in the game. Uh, just kind of interesting you know, looking at that A's roster, they need help kind of everywhere, but right field's probably one of the last places they need help with, with Josh Reddick. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he's got a obvious avenue to get to the big leagues this year now that he's playing out there, but uh, definitely worth noting that he is no longer a first baseman. Another A, too, that you mentioned there, Chad Pinder, looking overmatched at AAA right now. Franklin Barreto, man, deep leagues? I don't know. I think I got him in draft champions as like one of my last picks. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, 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 a promotion this year would be aggressive, but we both talked about how we think it's definitely within the realm of possibility. You mentioned in others of note, I mean, you're probably going to laugh, but Mike Zanino, <laughs> look, if people out there are really hurting for a second catcher with Schwarber down, uh, he's batting 375 with, with just three Ks and 16 at-bats. The Ks have been the big issue with him. Uh, when do you think we see him up with with the Mariners? Uh, I don't think they're going to be in a in a rush. You know, they're they're kind of pushing the reset button on all these younger players in that organization that mm-hmm. the Jack Z regime kind of screwed up by rushing them to the big leagues. I mean, go back and look at how long Mike Zanino is in the minor leagues and how quickly they jettisoned him mm-hmm. to the to the big league roster i mean it's kind of a crime against yeah, against so catcher development yeah. uh so the, i i think they're really trying to right all the wrongs that were caused by the previous regime and i think a lot of that's going to be uh just a lot of mike zanino at triple a this year but he could force their hand you know if, if he's just raking and earning himself a promotion and it doesn't there's no real reason to expect any of the catchers on the big league roster to be doing enough to stand in his way. Then yeah, he could be up. I mean, better, better to throw a speculative ad in, in a deep two catcher league on Zanino than a guy like Contreras because Mm. Zanino could actually get called up to supplant the, the current starter. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. Uh, that'll do it for the discussion of your article, but before we move on to grading biggie, just want to ask you about Malik Smith because we talked about him last last week, and you had uh, one of your predictions was that he'd come up, be a hot waiver addition, but then he'd hit the waiver wires again after you know floundering at the major league level. Big stone base upside, but what's you know is he somebody that should be owned in like ten teamers just because of the contributions in one category? It's, I mean, everyone just their their your expectations of Malik Smith should be of a guy who's going to hit for a you know at best like a 250 average 260 maybe if if he's getting lucky and he's going to give you some steals so if if you just are desperate for speed 
then it doesn't really matter the size of the league because he's probably as good an option as you're going to find on waivers. Uh, mm. You know, to me, he's kind of in that Jared Dyson class and Jared Dyson working his way back from an injury. Not sure what the latest is on him, but I mean, to me, those guys, like whatever you're bidding or thinking about bidding on Malik Smith should be about what you'd be willing to bid if Jared Dyson was on your waiver wire right now because – yeah, Malik Smith is going to be batting atop the order for now, but what if he's hitting, you know, 180 in two weeks? Is he still going to be batting leadoff? Probably not. So. Plus, Inciarte. Right. Back. Like, I, I worry much more about uh, long-term playing time with him than I do with Mazzara because I think Mazzara yeah. can easily cement himself with his ability to hit. While, while Smith, uh, I really think that they're going to go back to Inciarte when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. I look, yeah, I mean you just just treat Malik Smith as simply like a steals play that is a little risky for that for the reasons you touched on. Just don't don't think of him as kind of your your cure all for speed and runs and batting average that you're picking up off the waiver wire because that's just not the way it's going to play out. Yeah, if you get it, uh, any questions about prospects, hit us up on Twitter. James is at real JR Anderson I'm at Clay W Link. Uh, but let's move on and grade Biggie. This is a guy that We've been talking about grading, but holding off just because uh, we knew he'd be throwing all kinds of high marks around here. We grade hip-hop artists on the 20 to 80 scouting scale, grade out the five tools we've established for evaluating hip-hop artists, lyricism, flow, longevity, impact, swag, and then an overall grade. Uh, Biggie really kind of the Mazzara (laughs) in terms of swag grades uh, in the hip-hop community. R.I.P. Biggie. It's been it's been over twenty years now, almost twenty years I think since we lost lost Biggie. Let's start right off the bat with lyricism. We both got eighties. This is going to be a pretty common theme here. But one disagreement. Eighties, uh, eighties here. We both agree on this. Uh, not a lot to say because there, he's just so good. But anything you want to point out uh, in particular that that bumps him up this high for you? Uh. I mean, go the, go the metaphors. Go try to find a Biggie verse that's got poor lyricism, or even just yeah. like average lyricism. Like I, yeah. I dare you to go find that and then come back. Yeah, um, hit us up if you can. But that's a that's a futile <laughs> attempt. I love one of my favorite lines is, uh, "Keep these leaking like rapidemos." Yeah. <laughs> that's that's one of my. Favorite. That's uh, uh, that's an all-timer. I mean, it's just like everything he basically says just is kind of perfect and just makes so much sense and is funny. Mm. Like, he's one of the funnier rappers, like, yeah. out there. Like, he's got some hilarious lyrics yeah. and, you know. And the, the metaphors, the similes. Yeah. Driving force in that. Because they're always good. And, yeah, you're right. They're, they're funny, too. Yeah. And, you know, I got a story to tell. Like, there's mm. there's just so many just classic uh you know, funny songs. I mean, he's he's got kind of a song about everything, and mm. just all the lyrics are just on point. I mean, he gets he gets bit probably harder in terms of people recycling his lyrics than than maybe any rapper ever. Mm-hmm. Because maybe, I mean, maybe rock him, but I mean, there's so many Biggie lines that have just been recycled by multiple rappers. Like there, someone will recycle them in like the early 2000s. Someone will recycle them in the late oh, 2000s. Yeah. Someone will recycle it like like Jay Jay did it. Like in oh, two yeah. decades. Oh yeah, and like, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's just become kind of commonplace because 
all of the lyrics, all the lines were just that gold. Yeah, I'm totally with you. And, you know, Jay, as much as I like Jay, as far as his body of work goes, and if we, I'm sure we'll grade him eventually, give him some high grades. But uh, one thing that I can't really ever forgive him for is saying that he's better, was better than Big. I mean, that that's just disrespectful. Uh, I know, I think they were, they were boys in real life, but I just don't think you can, you can ever say that about Biggie. Um, he... And then Nas put him on blast for saying that. I mean, I, it's, it's just kind of hard if you're as successful as Jay-Z to really to think that you're not modest. the greatest. I mean, because, yeah. like, he obviously wants to say that he's the greatest and, like, to to kind of establish himself as the greatest rapper of all time. And you can't really say that if you're also out of your other side of your mouth saying that there's a rapper that's dead, that's better than you. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, I think deep down he knows. Yeah. He should know. (laughs) Both got 80 flows. I mean, we talked about shine last week, kind of jocking his flow a little bit. Look, Biggie's flow is just like the lyrics, just golden. And, he he had a unique flow, but it's something that even if a rapper nowadays doesn't sound like Biggie with that kind of, with that deep kind of almost nasally voice, uh, the, the rhyme scheme and the the way they deliver rhymes uh, in terms of well not only the the metaphors but rhyme scheme uh, content of the lyrics all really kind of comes back and uh, as you said a lot of people writing Biggie and and copying him and I think he's really kind of sets the bar in terms of all of hip hop for flow I think like the flow on like going back to Cali or the flow on like victory or even you know nasty boy or the what I mean just just elite 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 flows on on those tracks and I mean that that's kind of where you know, if you wanted to kind of point out to someone what here, this is what an 80 flow looks like. I would, I'd play going back to Cali and just tell them to sit back and relax. Yeah. The what is just disgusting too. uh, meth. Yeah. Great, great track. All time track. Now the one grade that we differ on is longevity. I got a 70 here. You got 80 spoiler alert. You got eighties across the board, but listen, the only, the, this is not even his fault. You know, he That's got taken I, from us. And like, I just think I have to give him 70. His influence still lives on, obviously. And we'll get to that with impact. But I think just, you know, that, that 70 comes from just having really two studio releases. You can count the third uh, post uh, mortem if you want. But I, I just think those two two albums are really the, the block of, of Biggie's work. And for that, I have to give him just a 70 here. Yeah, I, I get that. And I considered it, but, you know, like you said, it definitely not his fault, you know. Yeah, you can't. Um, It's hard to knock a guy for getting. Probably Suge Knight's fault, probably Puff Daddy's fault. Uh, But he's got so many songs that still get, like, more play at, like, bars and stuff that I go to than than a lot of the stuff that, like, new rappers are putting out, you know. I mean. And rightfully so. You're going to hear. You're gonna hear Juicy and Big Papa and Mo Money Mo Problems probably as as often as you're gonna hear any Kendrick Lamar song at mm-hmm. at a bar or a party. So, 
to me that that kind of plays into the longevity aspect of it i mean i've won i mean i think in like honestly in like 20 years people are still going to be banging biggie i mean mm-hmm. he's that kind of timeless and that uh wide reaching i mean people that don't even like hip-hop know all the words to juicy so mm-hmm. to me it's it's kind of just never going to stop with him yeah I, I hope not because i think nowadays some of the, the younger kids out there don't want to go back and listen to to a guy like biggie but they really they just they owe it to themselves they owe it to to biggie what a treat that would be to go back yeah, and listen to biggie for the first, for the first time. time like i wonder if nick <laughs> whalen how much biggie do you think he's heard? <laughs> Because he likes hip hop, but he, you know, he's kind of he's, the new age guy. He's a he's a new age all the way. He's he's got no respect for his elders, so oh, might, yeah. might have to talk to him about that. Might have to just like corner him and sit him down and just make him <laughs> listen to some Biggie. Impact. We both got eighties here again. Uh, so many copycats, <clears throat> you can't even count them. And the the influence not only lyrically. But uh, the the flow and just putting East Coast. I mean, Wu Tang was was putting out stuff too, but he really kind of is the guy that even to this day kind of embodies East Coast rap. And kind of look, I mean, there's there's always been just awesome East Coast rappers. I mean, like since the founding of rap. I mean, mm-hmm. it's been coming from so, the East Coast, yeah. but like the West Coast at, at when Biggie like came on the scene was like when the West Coast was just totally Dominated. taking over. Yeah. Like you had. Uh, you know Dre and Snoop and Tupac and all those guys and like Biggie's stuff was better than all the stuff that they were putting out and it was kind of the same level of kind of gangster rap like a lot of East Coast rap has been kind of more sort of thoughtful and like artistic and that kind of thing and like Biggie's stuff was on that that exact same sort of genre as what was coming out from from out west so I think that's yeah but also as we said still bringing it with the lyrics right too. Like right he wasn't right. sacrificing no 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 anything. But I mean, it, yeah. I mean, you could any any type of if if you were into like NWA, you'd be into Biggie, and if you were into you know Gangstar, you'd be into Biggie. If you were into Tribe Called Quest, you'd be into Biggie. I mean, he he kind of appealed to pretty much everyone. Yep, I'm with you now. Swag grade. This is an easy eighty. Uh, I mean, we're not. <laughs> this is the thing. Even when you know Biggie's in these videos with all these beautiful women. Uh, um, I didn't. I didn't blink an eye when I was a kid. It was just like, yeah, this guy's a. He's big. He's a hefty man, but so much swag that I mean, that's that's what uh, that's what brings people of the opposite you could even, sex. You could even throw room. that into his impact in that you know how many how many fat guys have gotten laid throughout the years just based on on kind of biting Biggie's. Biggie's yeah. swag style, you know. I mean, it, Big pun. it like made it almost kind of acceptable for for women to to yeah. hook up with with big guys. I mean, you know, prop, <laughs> props to Biggie. Yeah, and that's the thing; it was just so effortless too. The swag, uh, and when he's rapping about you know Sega, Sega Genesis, all this stuff, it was just never like you know he was so cool, but he wasn't wasn't trying too hard whatsoever. It was just like no. he was born with. With eighty swag, no, and then yeah, I mean you're you're right. No effort at all mm. on like anything he did. Really, there was just no effort behind it at all. Yeah, I mean no effort to try to be, you know, cooler than he than he was because he was already setting I mean, the bar for cool. He's kind of like peak like Manny as a hitter, you know, yeah. just it's just just zero 
zero effort at all. Just just <laughs> chilling in the box. The bat speed Still to pretty much cat, catch up to anything. Uh, yeah. Can can pick up any kind of spin immediately out of the pitcher's hand. You know that that's kind of what Biggie was like on the mic and off the mic. Does he have a modern day MLB comp? Because I don't know if he does. No, I don't think so. I don't think, so. I don't think anybody's that great right now. No, I think Big Poppy would be an easy one, just because of the nickname and you know whatever that's, else. That's 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 selling Biggie way too short. Yeah, I agree opinion. with you. I mean, Poppy's I mean, probably I a feel Hall like, of Famer. I right? feel like Bonds would be his like, yeah. comp kind of. Bonds. <laughs> yeah, that probably is the comp there. Heard he's going to be speaking at a Saber panel, by the way. <laughs> pretty pretty funny turn of events gonna there. Going to have to check that out. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, Spore and DVR is going to be filling in for, uh, or no, DVR and Zola tomorrow, I believe. So definitely be sure to check that out. Thanks, guys, for listening. We'll be back with you next week. This is the story of Harry's. For decades, one big razor company has relentlessly increased prices and reaped immense profits at the expense of its customers. Then one day, an ordinary guy got ripped off buying razors. He was so fed up that he and his best friend started a company to fix shaving. They called it Harry's. By taking less profit and selling online, Harry's can offer quality blades for less. You can even get Harry's 5-Blade Razor and Shave Gel for free when you sign up. Just cover shipping. Click or go to harrys.com and enter code RAZOR at checkout. That's RAZOR, R-A-Z-O-R. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.